Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am the sidekick, Tom Dorian, with my host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Got the pancakes ready to go, the, the donuts, the coffee. <laughs> we're all set. <laughs> so we're, we are not going to be wanting for food. No. I, I actually opened up the show just so you can take that last swallow there. I appreciate that so much. Let me borrow your napkin. <laughs> never never talk with your mouth full. I'll never do that again. Thank you. All right. Well, good. So we have a great show today. You know what? We really do. Today we have a uh, special guest with us who kind of wandered into the cafe uh, I think he was looking for a pie or something, and uh, we snatched him. Yeah, so we uh, we have a wonderful guy here. His name is Bruce Summers. We really grabbed him just because of the pie. Yeah, we wanted we wanted Not some his pie. Story. No, well, his story's good too. No, his story is really the it's reason. almost as good as the pie. Uh, and so Bruce Summers is a is a recent convert to the Catholic faith. Yes, he is. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about why he did what he did. Maybe just get a little insight into his personal journey. And then maybe where he's going. So, do you think that sounds like a, a winner? I think it's a winner. I think our, I think everybody, all all eight listeners are going to enjoy this. Absolutely, this sounds wonderful. So, without any further ado, let's welcome uh, Bruce to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. We're doing fantastic. So, Bruce, um, you have a pretty interesting story. You've uh, told us just a little bit about what uh, what caused you. We know the, the, the final answer is you're Catholic, uh, but you didn't start being Catholic. Tell us about that. No, Deacon Jeff, um, I grew up in uh, northern Texas. Uh, I grew up in a Southern Baptist household. Uh, my mother was a very devout Baptist, and uh, she was uh, a wonderful, is a wonderful Christian woman. And um, I attended the Baptist church uh, most of my uh during my youth, I was very uh, involved in the choir and in youth activities, and I attended a, a Christian camp during the summers that was very involved with Young Life. So I grew up an evangelical Baptist. So you were very active in the Baptist church, but would you have considered yourself a good Baptist? Well, um, I was when I was you know, younger, and then as I got older, uh, in my late teens, I started to fall away from my faith. That's the first time we've heard that, Tom, that anybody's falling away from their faith as they, as they get older. Can't relate to that. <laughs> We're just kidding about that. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, I think uh, in the Baptist church they would call that, uh, that I, or say that I was a backslidden Baptist. <laughs> and um, once uh, I graduated from high school and went off to college, my, uh, my faith wasn't really all that important to me. Um, I but, did you, have, but did you have still have a faith in God and in Jesus? Did you consider yourself a Christian at that point? I've always considered myself a Christian. I was baptized and made a decision for Christ when I was eight years old. And since that time, I'd always considered myself a Christian. However, I wasn't really living an authentic Christian life. I didn't really put God at you know the forefront of my life. I was living for myself and not really living for God. And this kind of continued uh, you know, during my young adulthood. After graduation from college, I went to uh, Air Force pilot training, became a, uh, a pilot, and I was really more interested in, uh, you know, flying airplanes and being a, uh, an Air Force pilot in my career uh, than I was in my spiritual life. 
that um, I tended to uh, put that on the back burner. In fact, what I what I did most of the time was is I kept God in a box. You know, I, I compartmentalized my spiritual life and only really called upon God when I when I, I needed Him, when I felt you know that I was in trouble or that I had a situation that I really couldn't handle myself. You know, then I would call upon God, and I, you know, I was all about I'm going to handle this myself. I'm you know the rough and tough fighter pilot. I'm going to, you know, I can handle all this stuff on my own. Well, as a young adult, I, I was assigned in uh, Panama, the Republic of Panama, and I got married, and we started a family. What was the uh, faith tradition of your wife? My wife was a cradle Catholic, but she hadn't, um, she hadn't uh, been confirmed yet. Uh, she uh, had been to her first communion, but she was not confirmed. And she kind of, like myself, was a bit of a fallen away Catholic, so... We kind of decided not to decide about a home church, but we did get our, our oldest daughter baptized in the Catholic Church. And I remember the priest telling us, you know, one of the conditions for baptism was that um, we needed to raise the kids Catholic. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that'll be the day, you know, I, I, I really did. Didn't. you have your fingers crossed behind you when the priest said that? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say I had my fingers crossed behind me, but I really had grave doubts about whether or not I was going to bring up, you know, that I personally was going to bring up the kids Catholic. But uh, at any rate, uh, I really didn't see at the time the importance of having a home church. Um, but I did feel something missing in my life. I knew uh, some way, somehow that, you know, that spiritual, that spiritual, um, component to my life was missing. Um, so we, we went along with our family life and, and really didn't attend to the, our spirituality until about uh, 1999. I was uh, sent to uh, Aviano Air Base in Italy and deployed um, for Operation Allied Force, flying a uh, fighter aircraft in support of a NATO contingency against uh, Yugoslavia. And it was during that deployment, and it was a very stressful time in my life. I don't think it can compare to a lot of the stress that some of our soldiers today face in Afghanistan in Iraq, but it was a very stressful time in my life that I began to take stock of my life. You know, I was, I was praying to God, said, Lord, you know, please uh, keep me safe during these missions. But I began to realize, I was kind of like looking in the mirror, I, I realized that I had not really been a faithful Christian. I hadn't led a Christian life, and I hadn't really been the spiritual leader of my family, and I hadn't been bringing my children up in a Christian household. You know, I can't um, um, really teach my children about Jesus unless I'm actually there at the forefront and leading them. You know, we, we would take them, sure, to church occasionally, to the Mass, but I wasn't really being the spiritual leader of my house, and I was really concerned about that. You know, so many times when I, when I teach some of the baptismal prep classes at my local parish, and one of the things I talk to the, to the parents about is people don't realize that, well, of course, I've got nine kids, so I have personal experience here, that kids will grow up and do exactly what you as a parent will do. I mean, if you, if you eat a lot of you know, pie, your kids are going to eat a lot of pie. <laughs> you know, if you cuss and swear a lot, guess what your kids are going to do? Yeah. And you know what? If you go to church faithfully, if you believe in Jesus and you live a Christian life, well, guess what your kids are going to be well disposed to do? You know, and so often we forget that it's the actions. It's not the words that we say to our children. It's the actions. So you're realizing at this point in your life that your actions weren't necessarily where you wanted your kids to be and where you wanted to be. 
Yes, uh, Deacon Jeff, I realize that I needed to get closer to God, and, and in order for me to lead my family, you know, I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I needed to continue that relationship. And I really didn't know how at the time I was going to be able to do that. I knew that somewhere in, in my mind, and, and I thought about it and prayed about it and said, you know, Lord, I, need, I, I know that I need to, uh, to get closer to you. And up to this point, you, weren't, you hadn't really selected any kind of faith tradition that you would call home, that you would call the place to be. You came out of the Southern Baptist tradition. Your wife was a Catholic, probably a nominal Catholic, whatever. And I think you did, where did you get married? We got married uh, on the base chapel by a, a Methodist minister. Right, so you had lots of different things to choose from. If you were going to choose what kind of relationship, you know, from a religious perspective you were going to have with Christ, you you had lots of things to choose from, and you didn't necessarily have any favorites? No, I didn't. Um, w- when I got back home from my, my uh, deployment to Italy, I talked to my wife about this, and she said she'd felt the same way, that she'd felt that our spiritual life was lacking. And, uh, you know, so I talked to her, and I said, look, you know, I come from a Baptist tradition. You come from a Catholic tradition. How about we go like Catholic light? You know, we'll go like the Episcopal <laughs> Church or something like I've that. I've heard that before, too. And she said, uh, no, that she really didn't feel like that was a proper way to go, that uh, why don't we try going to the Catholic Church? And I resisted initially, that I, I didn't feel like that was for me, as it were, because I'd heard a lot of negative things about the Catholic Church. But I'm also a big believer in, you know, well, you know, you have to show me, or I, I need to see for myself. So I started to go to Mass with my family, and we went to the chapel on base, and we had a wonderful priest there, uh, Father Ernie. And what I noticed when I was going to Mass is a lot of things that I'd heard about the Catholic Church weren't really true. For one thing, I really appreciated the way they venerated the, the Bible. And, you know, we read the Scripture, we had a reading from the Old Testament, and then two readings from the New Testament, we just had a Gospel reading. And we read the Psalms, and, you know, I really um, started to um, enjoy the Mass. And uh, we went ahead and enrolled our our children in in, uh, PRE. My other two children were baptized, and uh, they also uh, had their first Eucharist. So I had to also learn a whole new different language, Eucharist and and uh, liturgy and a lot of other things. But, but you're still not, at this point, you're still not too full feet into the Catholic Church. You're you're thinking, well, this is pretty good. You know, you start to do things that are more Catholic, and you're, I guess you're still sort of testing the waters here. Is that what's going on? We faithfully attended the Catholic Church, attended Mass for several years. I think I was hesitant to uh, go ahead and jump into RCIA. Of course, RCIA stands for the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, uh, and it's the, the process by which the church brings new folks into the Catholic faith. We teach all of the, uh, the various doctrines and dogmas, disciplines of the church, so people know when they come into the Catholic faith, they know everything they need to know to become a good Catholic. And, and it's that initiation process into the church. And so, anyway... You're thinking about joining the RCIA program. That's what we want to find out what happened next. But before we do that, we want to uh, invite folks to to go to www.thecatholiccafe.com where they can find a wealth of wonderful material. They can find this particular show in MP3 format. Uh, You can download this show or you can sign up for free podcasting. Um, And also, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So, we'll be back in just one moment to continue with Bruce Summers and Bruce's story right after this.
I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Converting from one faith or religious tradition to the Catholic faith should be a beautiful, life-fulfilling occasion for the believer. But it can also be a stressful and emotionally painful one, as family and friends may passionately disagree with the convert's choice, especially since that choice is Catholic. That's why it's good to know that there are those who have gone before us, those who have blazed the trails and fought the battles. These converts serve as shining examples and beacons of hope for converts as they draw ever near the church that Jesus founded some 2,000 years ago. We look to these saints as role models, and we ask them to pray with us to God for our spiritual well-being. After all, Jesus himself told us in the 22nd chapter of Matthew's Gospel that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And St. Paul told the Romans in chapter 8 of his letter that even death cannot separate us from the love of God. So these holy ones who have gone before us are there, alive, in heaven, as patrons to help us and support us on our journey. There are many patron saints of Catholic converts. St. John the Baptist was a prophet in Jesus' day who prepared the way for the coming of the Christ. He preached a message of repentance to the people of Jerusalem and converted many. St. Aphra was a prostitute in early Rome. During the Diocletian persecutions, she and her mother hid their bishop. During the incident, the bishop converted them, and St. Aphra then devoted herself to working with the poor, converting many along the way. Later, she was ordered to sacrifice to pagan gods, but she refused. She was martyred for her love of Jesus. St. Flora of Cordoba was born into a Muslim family. She and her mother converted to Christianity, but were persecuted for their faith in Christ. She took a private vow of chastity and spent much of her time ministering to prisoners, converting many to the faith. She, too, died a martyr's death, tortured and beheaded in the mid-9th century. St. Lucian spent his early life as a sorcerer and worshiper of demons, but he converted to Christianity after a woman had fended off one of his spells with the simple but powerful sign of the cross. He spent the remainder of his days explaining the true Christian religion and working against error. He was martyred in the mid-third century. These are just a few of the many, many saints who were converts to the faith and are still active today in the conversion and winning of souls for Christ. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. So here we go, Bruce. Let's continue where we left off. Now you, at this point in your life, you're thinking about the Catholic Church. You're involving yourself or your children in the in the church, in the in the daily life of the church, and you're going to Mass on Sundays. Uh, you're enrolling them in PRE. You're teaching them that they're being taught the faith by the church. So you you've said that you've been to some of the Masses, and you... You didn't really get that sense of all those negative things that you'd heard in your past. Is that is that how that is best expressed? That's right, Jake and Jeff. Um, I noticed that um, a lot of the things that I had been told before about the church just weren't necessarily true. For example, I'd been told that the Catholic Church teaches a, a theology of works, a salvation by works, and I never heard that in any homily that I'd ever attended. Um, in fact, uh, the priest, Father Ernie, was always talking about how that 
you know, we were saved by the grace of God and that God's grace was his free gift to us and we can do nothing to earn that that grace. And so from that perspective, I realized that the Catholic Church was, you know, a true Christian faith as well as, um, you know, I wanted to set that Christian example and I was the one that was always having to, you know, sit in the pew as the family got up and went, went to communion and, and I was really intrigued by the mystery of the Eucharist. And it seemed like to me it was almost like a big altar call at a, you know, at a Billy Graham, you know, a revival or something like that, that the, the whole, the faithful of the church would stand up, you know, and go down and receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ right there. And, you know, my family was going up there too, and they were receiving the Eucharist. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that as well. And I remember one time my daughter asked me, well, Dad, why don't you go to communion with us? You know, and I said, well, honey, you know, I grew up as a Baptist and, you know, I'm not, you know, a Catholic yet. And that seemed to puzzle her a little bit. And I realized that, you know, I really need to consider what I need to do about this. Kids can be so simplistic about these issues, but sometimes the faith of a child is the most amazing thing and the most telling thing for us. Mm-hmm. And it causes us to do incredible things with our lives just because a kid asks a simple mm-hmm. question. Absolutely. You know, the scripture tells us that we are to come to, you know, Jesus like a child. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was the faith and the the, um, the example of my children that, that led me to take the next step, me and my wife both to take the next step. It was uh, one day she she comes up to me and says, you know, I I think we should enroll in RCIA. Or she said she wanted to enroll in RCIA. And, um, you know, I thought about it for a moment, and I really don't know what moved me. It it must have been the Holy Spirit. But uh, I said, you know, I want to go too. And so we went in and we inquired about RCIA. And so what was the RCIA process like? Was it was it eye-opening? Was it enthralling? Was it long and boring? I mean, what was it like? First of all, I think that it, people need to know that during RCIA, there's a, an initial process which where you're investigating the Catholic faith. They didn't come in and, and start preaching to us or telling us, you know, this is what we had to do to be saved. And as there's a matter no, of fact... There's no papers. There's no guarantees. There's no anything. It's a discernment at that at that point. Absolutely. It was a discernment. And, and I believe the church isn't trying to say that, well, you've got to go through this process to be saved. What they're saying is is that, you know, we need to go through the RCIA process in order to um, receive the sacraments. And um, Well, because you have to know what you're receiving. You have to understand what you believe before you can truly believe it. I mean, if you... It's easy enough to believe something that someone told, tells you is true, but if you don't feel that in your heart that it's, that it's true, you, you don't truly believe. Absolutely. And it was during the uh, RCIA process we started uh, talking about, for example, the, uh, where the Bible came from specifically. And I, w- I was brought up as an evangelical Christian, and we believed in Sola Scriptura. And it was during the process that we were talking about where the New Testament came from that I realized that, for example, the New Testament wasn't completely written until the end of the uh, first century, as well as the Bible was not canonized until around the fourth century. And it was actually the councils of the Catholic Church that established the canon. And when I, I started to think about that, I realized that well, wait a minute, how in the world were those early Christians saved if, you know, the Bible wasn't really in existence? You know, I'd always assumed that the, they all had a leather-bound Bible underneath their arm when they went to church, you know, on Sundays. And, uh, you know, what I came to realize is the church was actually established before the Bible. In other words, the church came first. 
In fact, it's throughout the New Testament that that we're told that Jesus, you know, states that, you know, Peter is to establish a church. He doesn't say, Peter, I want you to go out and write a book, write everything down and pass it out, that actually he establishes a church. That's great. And it wouldn't be um, a very good idea anyway because most of the people in the Roman Empire at that time couldn't even read. I heard figures upward of 90 percent of the people in the Roman Empire were illiterate. So they, they wouldn't have been able to read. They relied on the apostles' teachings through oral tradition. So I started to realize that, you know, that the Catholics were on to something. Then we started talking about the sacraments. And this really kind of, you know, hit home to me. I had uh, some doubts about the sacramental theology. And while I was uh, in the RCIA, um, we we were told to, uh, you know, read some, do some readings prior to our next week's class. And I, I went away to go do that. And uh, we were told to read John chapter 6. And I'm sure I'd read John chapter 6 before in my previous life, but uh, when I read it this time and understood the context of John chapter 6, where Jesus, you know, tells us that if you want to have life and, you know, you should, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood, that really kind of, uh, you know, lit a light for me. It was like an electric shock. It really meant a lot to me to read, uh, you know, that in the Bible. So it, it... looked to me like the uh, Catholic teaching on the Eucharist was quite orthodox, you know, that it was really something real, that the real presence of the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist was, was something that was, was truly real. And those are only a couple of examples of lots of different things that you learned. You learned all about the early church fathers and the fact that the early church fathers were all Catholic. You know, you read all of the, the writings from the first seven, eight, nine hundred years of Christianity – and these are all Catholic guys that are writing. You don't you don't generally find any non-Catholic viewpoints in those early church fathers, do you? Absolutely, Deacon Jeff. Um, I remember we did a reading from Justin Martyr. It was from the first century, and in there he talks about the Mass. And I'm like, going, well, who who are all these patristic fathers? And so I went to the library and I checked out a book on the writings of the early Christian church. And as I investigated these writings, I came to realize that the early Christians where by and large all their, their beliefs were Catholic. They believed in the sacraments, and a lot of their um, uh, theology when it relates to salvation, for example, sounded very Catholic to me. So I, I realized that the Catholic Church was on to something. And it was a very special moment for me and my family. Both my wife and I were confirmed on the Easter Vigil last year at the same time, and it truly was a very special moment in our lives. And it allowed me to claim that position of the spiritual leader for my family. And one of the things while I was going through um, this RCIA process, I was invited to a group, um, the Fishers of Men. And we went to a an event called the Men's Morning of Spirituality. Now, I'd kind of been going through the standard Catholic, you know, go to Mass and the standard devotion that Catholics do. And when I became exposed to this group, the Fishers of Men, and the Men's Morning of Spirituality, that really, really did a lot for my spiritual life, for my growth as a Christian, because here are some men that are truly faithful Catholic Christians who are living their faith. But this has meant a lot to me for my growth as a Christian, and it's enabled me to fulfill my vocation as a father to 
to teach my children and to be able to help with their religious formation. Well, certainly it's wonderful to welcome you home, welcome you home to the Catholic Church, what we consider home, you know, the house that God built, you know, that Jesus Christ built, and the sacraments are all here. We welcome you home, but do you think that your journey's finished, Bruce? Do you think you're done? Absolutely not. Uh, My journey is just beginning because I think I'm still fairly immature as a Christian, and I'm trying to learn as much about the church and, and about my Christian faith as I possibly can. And, you know, we're all called to evangelize, and I think evangelization has to start at home, but also I have to be, you know, let the light of Christ shine through me and be an example for others to try to follow. Well, that's wonderful. And so you mentioned the uh, the fishers of men in this group that you're involved with, and there's lots of groups like that where you can become an active, practicing Catholic. And the key here is you mentioned that you lived your faith for the first time you were living it uh and and you've also made things you know like electric shocks going through your body whatnot and and i see also that same epiphany that same idea of the light bulb going on suddenly for the first time and you realize all this stuff and it comes together and it means so much it's very impactful and for you that happened at the easter vigil last year which is wonderful but you also realize that all it did was kickstart you and send you down that path where you feel like you're led i mean a lot of times when I pray, I, I mention the fact that, you know, that, that, you know, God gave us two hands. And those two hands are there so that we can not only get ourselves to heaven, but to lead others to heaven as well. And that's our call. You're talking about evangelization. But we are called to lead others to Jesus Christ. One other thing, Dick and Jeff, is that I, I really appreciate the Catholic faith, which has taught me that we are to have faith. And faith is very important. But our faith is to be an active faith, that we should that we should be active and we should be living our faith. Wonderful. No more cruise control, Tom. I'm telling you. That's wonderful, Bruce. We thank you so much for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe and, and sharing your story. And I know that there's so many people who are listening who may be at any stage of your journey. They may be there right now. They may be thinking, you know, I'm interested in the Catholic Church, but I'm not 100% sure. They may be perfectly happy where they are in their Protestant or non-denominational evangelical church. But maybe they're not as fired up as they really want to be. They don't have that spirit-filled life that, they, that they, they're hungering for. And so this is an invitation for folks to, to find out what it is God has in store for you and then to live it uh, and then to share that with others. And that's such an awesome uh, opportunity. Bruce, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. No problem. Well, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your church. Help her to continue to be the light of truth and the way of salvation for all the world. And let us always be open to the hope, compassion, and guidance that you offer us through her loving and open arms. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.